Welcome to Soups On with Dr. Stephen Cook, Superintendent for Ben Lapine Schools. In every podcast, Dr. Cook is serving up the latest news about our schools. Tune in to stay informed about key topics and go behind the scenes to learn more about our great schools and community. Find all the Soups On podcasts at bls.fyi slash podcast. That's bls.fyi slash podcast. And now, here's Dr. Cook. Welcome to the Soup is On podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Cook, superintendent of Ben Lapine Schools. On the Soup is On podcast, we talk about all things public education, specifically as they relate to our school district and the greater community. This week's topic is the RSSL guidelines have been released by the Oregon Department of Education, and they're giving us feedback on how to build a plan for the start of school for the 21-22 school year. And I'm very excited today to have as my guest, Julianne Repman. Hi, Julianne. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so first of all, this is our very first podcast of this series. I'm excited to be uh, in the chair again doing podcasts, and I want to thank Julianne for being my first guest. Um, We are going to talk about a meaty, meaty topic today. The Oregon Department of Education released expectations for how schools across the state can be expected to open schools with relationship to the COVID-19 pandemic. You and I have had lots of conversations about this, but before we go into that and start sharing with our listeners some of the things that we're uh, unpacking, if you will, give us a little introduction to who you are, why this topic matters to you, and how we are going to uh, benefit from your background and expertise. Sure, thanks, Steve. So I'm Julianne Rettman. I am your Director of Communication and Safety for Ben Lapine Schools. And my work is primarily focused on ensuring that our students and staff have what they need to be successful in the classroom. So when it comes to safety, as we all know, we want to be able to keep our schools open. We want to ensure that our students are in an environment where, where they feel safe, their mental health is being Um, nurtured and so with this new guidance that came out we're really digging in to find out how we can continue to keep schools open for in-person instruction in the fall while really minimizing the impacts that COVID COVID has on the classroom so getting back down getting to the basics again with teaching and learning thank you for that Julianne and so um, this is going to be an issue for you and your job uh, for the entire year and helping us, number one, just make that environment uh, as safe as we possibly can while maximizing teaching and learning. But also in your role as the director of communication, we've got an awful lot of information we're going to be pushing out both internally to our staff and our departments and also externally to our families and our students. And that's one of the things I think we can always improve upon. So folks will remember if they were here last year, Oregon was on a bit of a roller coaster when it came to different uh, rules and guidelines that had impacts on our classrooms. We need to continue to improve that communication. One of the ways we're going to do that is through podcasts like this that I thank you for bringing to us. Additionally, Dr. Cook has brought some other really cool things. If you haven't checked out our school board's web page you can take a look at the information that's coming out of every board meeting so we want to make sure that families parents and students know 
We're going to continue to communicate. We're going to continue to communicate what we hope to be clear, concise, consistent information, but we will be asking for a little bit of grace as we know that this pandemic has given us quite an, an ever-changing landscape. So always um, welcome you to engage with us. Two-way conversation is great. We're available through email, in person, and you can always see what's kind of happening on our website, social media pages, et cetera. So let's get into this a little bit. And I, you know, in a podcast, you try not to timestamp anything because not everybody's going to be listening to this uh, that, that that is interested in this at the same time. But I think it's really important for this topic that we put a little bit of a, a context on the timing for this. If you recall, on June 25th, uh, the Oregon Department of, of Education, ODE, released the first version of the 2021-22 school year's guidance on how districts are expected to open. Shortly thereafter, on July 9th, uh, the CDC updated their guidelines for healthy schools and how schools should function coming into this next school year, and there was some discrepancy between those two documents. On July 22nd, um, the RSSL guidelines from ODE were updated again, and subsequently also the Oregon Health Authority also pushed out some information that essentially doubled down on the CDC guidelines. And so let's start um, at this time in, in as, as we're recording this, we're recording this on Friday the 23rd of July. Um, the most up-to-date information we have at this point is let's start with with that kind of time and point in space and let's talk about start with the RSSL guidelines make very explicitly clear that we are being afforded local control to make decisions about our operational plan tell our listeners what that means sure so if folks weren't aware in the past over the course of the past year we had quite a few mandates that were delivered to us through the Oregon Department of Education. So we were consistently following their requirements and then referring to recommendations with a lens that really looked at how does that play into our school system here in Bend, Lapine, and the Sun River areas. So now the change here is we have the ability to make decisions that are both steeped in best data available, guidance from the local health authority as a partner, and then these tools that are coming from the state, as you mentioned, OHA, Department of Education, and CDC, which is national, um, really giving us a framework for where to go. So right now what we're able to do is to bring all of that information together and start making decisions that really are best for the teaching and learning environments we have here in our schools rather than uh, following a set of rules, let's say. So let's start by what are what are some of the key takeaways right away that that maybe raised our eyebrows as far as some changes uh, for some pretty substantial differences in the RSSL guidelines and in CDC guidelines that uh, are going to govern or at least guide. And I will note that while we have local control to make these decisions, those decisions uh, likely will be made at the board meeting level uh, or by the board. We our, our administrative team in the district office would make recommendations to the board. The board would typically ask us a, a, a lot of questions and uh, potentially uh, approve that plan. 
which we would then later submit to the state. But let that's process. Let, we can talk about that more later. Right now, what I'd like to make sure of is that we kind of highlight some of those major changes. And so why don't you go through at least a few of those? Sure. I, I think the one that stands out the most is around the importance of vaccines. It appears that this new guidance from those three um, expert agencies is showing us that perhaps the vaccine is really our number one mitigation strategy that we can use to ensure that our students stay in the classroom at school in person. So um, specifically, this new guidance aligns to the CDC guidance, which states that people who are fully vaccinated and do not, this is key, our nursing team would wanna make sure you hear this, if you do not have COVID-like symptoms, you won't need to quarantine or get tested after exposure to someone with COVID-19. So again, if you are fully vaccinated and you're not symptomatic, you won't need to quarantine. So this is a big deal for those of you who had a student who may have been quarantined last year and there's uh, you know debate about how close were they did they really interact with these students if your student is vaccinated no need to quarantine if they're if they're well another piece that i think is really interesting and impactful is there is a mask to mask um, element to this to this as well where if your student is wearing a mask and they're with another student with a mask, they also would not need to quarantine in that situation. The caveat to every one of these is if you're not symptomatic. Um, and can I ahead. clarify one sure. question on that, Julian? So you're talking about if if somebody is positive for COVID, but they're wearing a mask and they expose another individual who is also wearing a mask, then they're not expected, the, the person that is exposed would not be expected to quarantine. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's now in alignment with the CDC. So that is, that's a big change. So again, just letting parents know that we've got some real tools here that can help keep our students in the classroom. Some other things though, as we're talking about masking and vaccinations is the, um, there is still an expectation, and this is a CDC guidance, that there is mandatory use of face coverings for passengers and drivers on our school buses. So you could have a student who, while they might not need to wear a mask to school because of their age, or then they would still be asked to go ahead and put that mask on to ride our transportation to and from school or to and from activities. So you're actually, you're, you're kind of referencing two things there. The first one is are, are the federal guidelines now that are, are no longer even up for negotiation. If you're gonna be on a bus, of any kind of public transport, which includes public school buses or private school buses, you will be required to wear a mask as a driver or as a passenger, correct? That is correct, yes. And then the second thing is this idea that potentially folks who are vaccinated might not be required to mask uh, or if they are vaccinated and they're exposed to a uh, someone who ha is, has tested positive for COVID, they wouldn't necessarily be a quarantine risk. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. So let's let's kind of come back out of that for a second. And there's a, a couple of things I want to I want to talk about is the authority of these agencies and how do we have to respond. In other words, um, you know, if we do something the CDC says or don't do something the CDC says or Oregon Health Authority or ODE, is there is that an issue? Do we have to do what's uh, advised or what's our, how do we take local control upon this and how do those two things mix? 
So there is not a, um, this is not like speeding and earning yourself a ticket, right? So we have consequences, but the consequences for us are more around the public health and the safety and our, um, our responsibility for the care of your students and your family members who work in our schools. And so what we want to do is apply this in a manner that is fair, it is equitable, and that we're protecting our staff to the degree that we can. And sometimes, as you know, that could be depending on where you work or um, if you are part of a place of worship, there might be someone who's sick and you quarantine. Um, if, if, if you were exposed to them, it's very similar. So again, these are decisions that we will be able to make here based on the climate and the culture of our communities and what we believe will help allow us to continue that excellent education, um, educational opportunity for our students. So one of the things you, you just hit upon, I think is crucial for our listeners to hear. And I think that, that we, we make it extremely clear that the number one goal in any plan that we develop, any operational plan that we develop this year, implement, and then use to determine strategies for how we're going to function for not just the start of school, but the entire school year, our number one goal is to keep kids safe, of course. But our number one A goal is to make sure that every kid is in school, in person, for the entire year, every day. And so if if we can do this well this year, it would be um, a win for us or what we would feel like a success if we didn't have to quarantine a single kid or if we didn't have to isolate a single kid, a uh, student for that matter, I, th- I think is probably a better way to put that. Um, that's that's going to be tough. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet. Um, it, you know, vaccinations appear to be um, moving to the kind of a highest priority um, as our feedback from the federal government and the state government are kind of elevating for us. So not all of our community has had the opportunity to be vaccinated. So maybe talk about that just a little bit. Sure. So our students right now and our adults who are age 12 and older have had an opportunity to be vaccinated. We know Deschutes County specifically was a real leader in that in the state of Oregon. So our um The opportunity there has been really great for vaccines and for helping to create that herd immunity that we're looking for in this in this environment this pandemic environment that said our youngest learners they have not yet had an opportunity for that vaccine there is a talk on the hillsides of the vaccine becoming available as soon as late fall let's say so we do have an entire population of students Um, we have about a 1,100 students in each grade, so maybe about 6,000 students who have not yet had the opportunity to be vaccinated. So we do need to be thinking about mitigation, layering, um, as families will recall from last year, if you were with us last year, and if you're new this year, welcome, you're going to love it. But we have this layered approach to mitigation where it's air quality and ventilation, hand sanitation, distancing. We're going to be able to look a little bit more like a traditional classroom this year with three feet between desks instead of six. So just continuing to layer on those mitigation strategies is gonna be a huge piece because not all of our students have been vaccinated. And also I wanna honor families who have chosen not to vaccinate. So we wanna know you to know that we do hear you and our staff. And so the more students who can be vaccinated, the better protected even your families can be. 
So you kind of you kind of went into my next question. Will we require vaccines of those students that are eligible to be vaccinated? We will not require vaccines. That is not a strategy that we're going to take on. We believe in just like we believe in parent choice of where you'd like to educate your students. We believe in parent choice around vaccine. That's not to say that we're going to minimize what we believe and our partners at the Health Authority and CDC and Oregon Department of Education say around the importance of vaccines, but absolutely not planning to have any kind of requirement for that. So there's some pretty explicit guys. So I want to, before I moved on to this next thing, I think what you just said is really, really important. And I, I want to I kind of emphasize that we aren't interested in requiring vaccines, but there is some information that has recently come out that might be incentivizing vaccines and uh, because of what it does for with regards to quarantining. Uh, there is a completely different conversation to be had on whether or not a student is going to have to quarantine based upon whether or not they're vaccinated. And so that's yet to, to be discussed at a further level. Uh, and so thank you for sharing that with us. I, I think there's uh, something I wanna go back to with ODE's guidance. Um, they're not asking us to do this by ourselves, are they? What's their expectation and, and how are they pointing us so that we're making decisions not on in isolation yes. or in a silo? So they're continuing to build upon our partnerships with the local health authority. So for us, that's Deschutes County Public Health. Incredible team of uh, medical pr practitioners um, that are on that team, prevention folks, epidemiologists, just a really dynamic team. We have had the opportunity to sit down and speak with them. We work with Dr. George Conway. So that team is continuing to be very active. We are the experts when it comes to education and delivery of education. They are the experts when it comes to public health. We really wanna sew that together and have this be one big piece of fabric. We also have um, medical professionals that we listen to. We've heard from some parents and families, staff, students. So. It's, it really is a community conversation to that degree, but really we want to be in concert with our local health authority. And so that's, they've been at the table. We're going to continue to need to have them at the table as we go on. And we continue to generate lots and lots of questions that uh, as we build this operational plan for them to lean in on, and uh, they've been excellent partners for us, with us in, in the generation of that. And so... Um, so what's next? We've got some, you know, actually, before we go into what's next, uh, I might remind our listeners that uh, as of the time that we're pushing this podcast out, we're, we're seeing just around the corner the beginning of summer school. And uh, as, we, uh, as we go towards that, I think we have uh, about a week before summer school hits, can we remind our listeners we had to propose to our uh, our board, uh, the guidelines for how we intended to operate summer school. And actually, we did that before we had a, all of the uh, input that we recently got from ODE, OHA, and the CDC. So can you share with our listeners the kind of the parameters that we're going to use for summer school? Sure. So summer school will have all of those layers that we talked about around mitigation, the um, healthy environments for our students, good ventilation, and one of the big pieces I think people really want to know right now is, well, number one, obviously, we're not requiring vaccines. So thank you for that. Um, and the other one is around masking. So let's talk about masking. So for summer school, we are strongly advising 
our students in grades 6 through 12 to wear masks indoors. So that is very consistent with what we did last year. What we will not be asking them to do is mask up outside. So if you're outside, no problem. You don't need to be wearing a mask. Now, when you go to grades kindergarten through fifth grade, we are going to continue to maintain the requirement for masking indoors. So very much like our students are used to doing. Um, also what they're doing at many camps if they're indoors, if not all. And again, outside, no requirement for those masks. And that is based on the science and the information we're getting from the CDC. The other thing is you'll notice our staff, we're gonna strongly advise that they wear masks when they're indoors, but that's not gonna be a requirement for us. So I wanna clarify that one more time. So when we say strongly advising, that also means not required. Absolutely. When we say required, that means required. Yes, okay. required is a, a hard and fast rule, line in the sand. Strongly advised is we're going to let you make the decision um, for your family and what's best for you. If you have someone at home, perhaps, that is compromised and you want your child to wear a mask at school, that's terrific. Or at, at yeah, summer school, they can do that if they're in grades 6 through 12. But we're just going to strongly recommend it. And so at this point, we've only made that decision for summer school. We're going to continue to dialogue with uh, our local health officials and and we will present an operational plan to our board. Let's talk about that timeline. Sure, August 10th, that's gonna be a board meeting that folks are gonna to wanna to tune into, and if they can't watch the whole thing, be sure to watch the recap that Dr. Cook does, Steve. It's pretty phenomenal. But on August 10th, we will have a plan in place that will really help to inform families for the fall. So it will answer these questions around distancing and cleaning protocols and masking. So even maybe a family might want to know, is my student going to eat lunch in the classroom this year or will they be in the cafeteria? So we'll be able to bring some of that to you. And then August 23rd, we will deliver this entire plan to the Department of Education. We'll have it online on the 23rd, if not sooner, and that will all be available for families. And we'll keep uh, communicating with families through this podcast and then also some more direct communication as soon as this information becomes available as well. So is August 10th, is that the public unveiling of this or is this be when it's being presented to the board, does the board have any authority over this plan and what is their role in this whole process? So the board is a partner in this, absolutely. They represent you, our community members. So we're gonna present this to the board. The board will have time to really digest that. If they see something that could be a fatal flaw, they will certainly share that with us. But you can anticipate that on the 10th or perhaps right after, if there's some tweaking to do, uh, we'll have a plan that will really inform what it's going to look like in the fall. So is that the only day that uh, the board could hear from the public on this stuff? Or is there anything else going on that, that our community might need to be reminded of? I love that question, Dr. Cook. If you were a fisherman, I would have just taken the bait. Uh, so that is great transition. We want to invite the community. The board is doing something pretty cool, our board leadership, called listening sessions. I would encourage you, this is your chance. Let us know uh, from what you've heard from this podcast. Are there opportunity areas? Is there something you want us to hear about masking, about vaccines, about 
air quality in the schools. Let us know. We love, love to hear about teaching and learning as well. Of course, that's our mission, but we know that this is something that's really on the minds of many parents as they're preparing to bring their students back to school. So we have a listening session coming up on the 29th and that is going to be at Silver Rail Elementary School, centrally located. Uh, if you want to participate in that, you can jump on our website on the school board page um, at five o'clock, and it's at five o'clock at Silver Rail Elementary School. You can jump online to sign up to speak. We'd love to have you there to listen, if you'd like to listen. The next opportunity to hear what the board is working on is going to be at our next business meeting. Uh, but that's going to be a that's a business meeting, so that's a working meeting of the board, and that is later in August at Bend High School. So, uh, one clarification: the the school board le leadership listening session. The doors will open at five. Thank you. Comments will actually start at five thirty. So our mistake on that, and I. I was queuing, he was trying to I was queuing Julie, Julianne on, <laughs> on trying to get that correct, so our apologies. Yeah. And then on August 10th, now that's that meeting is not at the, the board uh, at the board meeting site, typically at downtown on, yep. on Wall Street. That's actually going to be held where? Bend High School. Okay. So uh, again, the community, we appreciate the volume of interest in our public meetings now that we're out of COVID and we can actually have eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball conversations our board of directors thought that it was a great idea, truly a great idea, to move to a bigger location so that we can accommodate everyone. So thank you to those of you who sweated it out with us that didn't make it upstairs, um, that watched our meeting from our lobby this month in July. And we look forward to seeing you in a comfortable chair at Bend High School in August. Yeah, and I would just, I think... It's important for people to know it's exciting that mm -hmm. we're re-engaging our community in this manner. And it was uh, a high-energy meeting, lots and lots of passion, lots of energy around this conversation. There's so many people that have uh, such powerful viewpoints. And, and you know, it, it, a board meeting is expected to be... Uh, doing the work of the board, which is how do we best run the schools. And we want to do that in a public venue, and we want to make sure that it's available to the public. But it's also important to remember that a board meeting isn't a public listening session. It is a meeting of the board. And so what we're excited about is expanding opportunities for our board to engage in the public. Uh, uh, with with this listening session and I think this first one we're doing on the 29th it was uh, we kind of had a lot of discussion with uh, board leadership and and those two Marcus and and uh, Melissa are going to be glad to host that and we'll have other board members there as well I will be there the superintendent will be there I think it's important to note this isn't really uh, we're not going to be doing a lot of dialoguing. This is about the, the community's opportunity to give feedback to the board. And we'll do this as often as we, we warrant that it's necessary because we're trying to, to hear the voice of our community. And so we'll see how this goes. I think there's a lot of interest from this board to hear from the public. I think there's a lot of excitement to be back in person, back listening to people uh, giving them opportunity for public comment, for uh, that conversation to happen. And additionally, the, you know, separate from the board meetings, um, I'm also very much looking forward to, as in my role as superintendent, going out into the public and just doing conversations with our constituents, whether it's listening sessions or uh, just, you know, fireside chats, whatever you want to call them, but just getting engaged with the community so that that feedback loop is available and and being accessed often by our community. So 
Steve, okay. I would just want to piggyback that. I, I think that's a big thing um, that you, you're bringing to this role, and I thank you. I know you're in week three, I believe, right now. So I, I really want to commend you for that, and thank you, and thank you for engaging the community. Can you tell people if they have a, a group that they might want you to speak at, how they might ask for your time? Absolutely, yeah. There's, I've got a little bit of a roadshow. I'm glad to go anywhere in our district and do that. So all you have to do is reach out, reach out to my executive assistant, Marta Broberg, and her, let's see if I do this number after three weeks. Do I have her number memorized? 541-355-1001. Call her or email her uh, directly and we will get something set up. And uh, I'm excited to, to integrate into this community and get to know folks and to try to um, just have that access point for, for both myself as I learn more and more about Ben Lapine schools, about all of our community, about the you know Sun River area, about Lapine, about all of it. it there's just, it's a large, diverse community with lots and lots of things that we need to attend to. And and I'm excited about those opportunities as we get uh, prepared to start thinking about the beginning of school year again. All right, folks, I think that's it for today. Um, I want to thank my guest, Julian Retman, for providing just excellent insight on the new guidelines as they've come from the Oregon Department of Education. Remember, this is a new podcast in the Ben Lapine Schools. If you're pleased with the work we're doing on these podcasts, please remember to share them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next week, we'll be bringing in our uh, our local health expert. We're excited to have Tammy Pike on the show. She's our lead nurse, and she's going to help us know and understand some of the roles of what we are going to have to deal with as we as we transition out of last year's kind of world in, as the, the COVID pandemic kind of sh- shook the country into how do we start thinking about what's next. And so she's going to have a lot of conversation to share with us, and I'm excited to have that with her. Um, Also, if there are other topics you'd like us to tackle, please send us a note. Please let us know your thoughts. We're open to the feedback. Um, Thanks for listening to the Soup is On podcast, and please remember, always support public education. You've been listening to Soup's On with Dr. Stephen Cook, Superintendent for Ben Lapine Schools. Find more episodes at bls.fyi slash podcast. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest, email us at podcast at ben.k12.or.us. Thanks for listening.